The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org. Holidays get layered, don't they? I've always liked Thanksgiving, all of the founding myth struggle aside. Mostly because it just felt like Sabbath writ large. How you got two days off and then still the weekend was just starting. And having been a city dweller, cities don't get quiet very often. A snowstorm, a blizzard in New York, or a long weekend. Everybody commanded to be closed, although now only for a day. (laughs) And how you could choose to spend it with some good friends or just duck and cover and be in your own company. And really, the only obligation of this last weekend was that you eat something good. And Tenderloin Tusty, well, they provided 800 opportunities for that. And really, the biggest necessity of the midday was to nap. All this spaciousness and what comes in. Plus, it had this lovely backdrop to gratitude, to asking us to think of what we were grateful for. Years ago when I was training for ministry, I was told that in church, but I think it holds in a lot of places actually, maybe everywhere it should, that there were only two things, if you were a leader, lay or ordained, that you were allowed to really say, and they were please and thank you. It was this reminder that in our shared life, All generative life, all life-giving life together works really on generosity of self and gratitude and how these things, how they start to fold in on each other and it becomes this miraculous, magnificent, virtuous force once it gets rolling. It's one example, I think, of the alchemy of gratitude, this force in the human heart that can turn ordinary people and communities into wildly generative, joyful, bold places. Places that shoulds and woulds and musts and and shame and all the other motivators and money they can't ever get to. All this flight launched in please and thank you the yes and of improvisation. How it unleashes risk, laughter, and how it is something we can cultivate too, thank goodness. I'm grateful for that. (laughs) Indeed, I'm sure I'm not the only one who's noticed over the years how there are some folks, well, folks see life in such different ways, right? How there are some folks who can face similar disappointments and setbacks and struggles and illness even and feel like they're deflated or targeted by fate, while others can just 
take it in their stride and see it as part of life's twists and turns. And some people point out all the ways life has failed them and some immediately see all the people and ways they're carried through difficulty. Mari and I were talking actually about how my dad and uncle tell a story both about the same vacation. <laughs> Ooh, but you wouldn't know they were on the same vacation. <laughs> Now, mind you, I'm not saying that you and I were not allowed to grieve and we're not allowed to name when hard things happen, just how hard it can feel. I think that would be denying a piece of the truth. I think that's burying or dismissing real emotions. I don't think that's healthy. But to be able to see the things that come at us, the hardships, as more than hardship, that's the heart for me of trying to find and center in a gratitude practice, in a lens to see the world that feels so much more powerful. Appreciative inquiry, they call it in institutional life, to see what's strong and good and try and build on that. And then there was this week where the pandemic news is that there's this new mutation with 30 mutations on the central spike, what Delta had just a, what, a sixth of that made it dangerous? And then last week's disappointing acquittal of the white terrorists' attack on a crowd of people. And even though this week we saw justice, I have to say it just recalled me to the news coverage, the layers of carnage, this, this beautiful man with his gorgeous smile, 25 years old. And time with family is often really great and often brings up Who's not there and hard things we haven't yet resolved and I was wondering to myself so how do we see all of what comes at us in life through the lens of gratitude so I thought we'd take a moment in this litany of gratitude this morning and do that So I want to give thanks for this blue-green planet that we stand on that spins through space and that anchors us in the miracle of centripetal force <laughs> and gives us in its spinning the mixture of day and night and seasons of warm and cold and fallow and fruit. And I was struck looking out at the moon one night that here's, I don't know, isn't it kind of a useless piece of planetary space debris floating in the sky? But it pulls these tides on our earth, on the shores, and it lights up the night and along with the stars. It always draws me into this universe beyond my little universe of chores and life. Walking the dog some nights, looking up, I'm immediately called into this perspective of this vast expanse of space known and unknown and reminded how small I am. And that's comforting. 
and I want to give thanks for this flesh and blood body, mine, yours. It's so resilient and it's so determined to keep on living and it's so good at it. All those, all those generations, it's been perfecting its own endurance. How it compensates even for when things start to go wrong. Like I remember years ago we were, we climbed the Andes and I got altitude sickness and and I read about how long it would take to make more red blood cells, and it turns out actually it takes weeks, which made me nervous as I vomited. <laughs> but then I read further, and it turns out that your body gets you back on your feet in a day or so, and the reason is because it, it does these thousands, like over a thousand micro-adjustments of chemistry and pathways and oxygen use. It's extraordinary. And I give thanks also for how fragile our bodies are. I mean, I once did a memorial service for a young father who slipped on a rainy day and hit his temple, and that ended his life. And I think we're all aware of the fragility of our bodies, but I want to try and give thanks for that. Because it means we don't take them for granted when we're aware of it. We realize the incredible preciousness we have to be in this gorgeous body working so hard to stay alive. And then we're invited maybe to be tender with each other too and touch and feeding and care and humble about our mortality if we're wise. And I want to definitely give out a shout to science. I mean that scientists were able to see the constructed intricacies of this most re recent mutation on the virus that we know so intimately. And that right now there are all these folks around the world with their lab sleeves rolled up in night and into the night and through it, testing on what these mutations might mean for us. And then there are all these policymakers who are trying to set policy and healthcare workers so that it minimizes our vulnerability to it. And then there are those public health people around the world who are calling out to us to take care of everyone on the globe and remind us that we're not ever really going to be safe until everybody is vaccinated and safe. And as overwhelming as that call is, can you imagine if we were able to step into that invitation to true interdependence? And for family and friends and for community, I'm super, super grateful. And I know in Thanksgiving, there's two sides often to the coin of family. And so I want to first say that I'm super grateful, and I hope you are too, for all the treasure that your families have handed on to you, right? All the wisdom that they passed on, all the coping mechanisms all the love, all the courage, all the generosity, all the times they made you feel safe and loved, a lot gets handed to us. And there are often also some hard or hurtful patterns that get handed on too, and I want to give thanks for those. Like there's always some unfinished business of past generations that we're handed and asked to work through 
as part of this larger ancestral work of healing and wholeness and that we're given some of it to do and can play a part in the work of human healing. I want to give thanks for our justice system and its transparency. That we can see how it not just reflects the law of our time, but the minds and hearts of the people. And in knowledge, there is clarity and therefore power. As hard as the insights sometimes land. And for the right to protest, even if we aren't always kept safe in it. And for the gift of memory. For the right to recall everybody who lost their lives in the tragic sins of all of our fear and hatred and all the ways it shows up. Because I think as hard as the memory is, like the beautiful face of Ahmed Arbery, I think it calls us to the inescapable urgency to finish the work, which if we forgot, we could neglect and at great cost. And I guess I also want to thank the universe for beauty, because it's so healing. I went to the symphony this week. Did you sing as part of that? Oh my god. They did Beethoven's Ninth. I mean, let's just give thanks for the ode to joy with 100 people singing it. it. Just gets in your bones. And you remember what human creativity and focus and unity can do when it's focused on beauty and good and truth. And that's a good reminder to get in your bones periodically. And I'm sad also to lose the genius of Stephen Sondheim. But I'm really grateful for all he and all other artists leave behind, right? These strains that live on us that get called out in a moment. I don't know about you, but I, I find myself singing lines from Sondheim. Like when I have a moment of anticipation, I'll sometimes find myself singing much to the embarrassment of my loved ones. Something's coming, something good. Or in moments of uncertainty, quietly to myself sometimes, there's a place for us. Even if I don't see it. Or how he reminds us no one is alone. No one is alone. He showed us things, many beautiful things, that we never thought to explore. For all of this this week, for all of it, I give thanks. The ways it steers, the ways it anchors. A life of please and thank yous, a practice gratitude over time does, does this thing to us. It alters our perspective, which is to say it changes not only how we see the world, but maybe also what we see. 
And the world isn't changed in that moment, but we are. Focused, I think, on what we can do and what we have done and who we can be and all the possibilities, which is great. It's a great way to face any day or week and particularly all the hard chapters of life. So I'm grateful for all of you also. May gratitude lift us always and may it sweeten and inspire the places between us. Amen. I've read in science magazines that the honeycombs that bees make are some of the strongest and most brilliant structures found in nature. The hexagonal shape of the honeycomb cells makes the hives expandable and structurally durable and makes it able to hold a lot of weight without being crushed. The best part is that the bees don't even have to think about building the hexagons. Their shape comes about naturally from the heat that the bees generate as they buzz about working and dancing and making sweet, nourishing honey. My family moved in with my maternal grandmother, Lupita, after the economy in Mexico crashed and my father, Ignacio, found himself out of work in Mexico City with a wife, my mother, Emmy, and four children, my brothers, Nacho, Beto, Lalo, and me. My mother's sister, Socorro, already lived with my grandmother with her husband, Ramiro, and their two youngest sons, my cousins, Pepe and Ramirin. My mother's sister, Milo, lived in a different house with her husband, Alfonso, and their two children, Bertita and Alfonsito. But now that everyone was at my grandmother's house, well, there was no way they were going to miss out on all the fun. So they spent most of their time at my grandmother's house, too. One day, my uncle Alfonso blasted into the house, surprising us with the biggest piñata we had ever seen. The piñata was in the form of a ship. The grown-ups filled it almost till it burst with oranges and peanuts mixed with the electric pinks, yellows, and blues of assorted candies. Tio Alfonso climbed onto the roof of the house, and across the way, my father climbed onto the tall concrete fence that surrounded my grandmother's garden to set the overstuffed barge up raucously throwing ropes around trees and rebar to try to make a pulley that would lift the piñata up and down when it was time for the children to take turns swinging at it. It proved more difficult than they anticipated because of the size and weight of the colorful craft, but this only amplified the hilarity. Their joy was contagious. It made my cousins and me noisy and giddy with anticipation. The grill was fired up 
as the sky dimmed to a theatrical blue that turned my uncle and my father into animated silhouettes, huffing and puffing upon, atop their perches. They were determined that the ersatz vessel float. The merry prelude to the evening's festivities made it feel like the whole world was in on the excitement. It didn't even occur to me to ask what we were celebrating. As an adult, I marvel at the way the grown-ups in my family were able to take the challenges that life threw at them in stride. There's no denying that they were under very real pressure, taking on hard work to keep everyone fed and sheltered. Yet they made it a priority to celebrate anything and everything with the entire family every chance they got. Birthdays, graduations, first haircuts, an especially good batch of menudo, anything and everything was cause to celebrate. With time, I've come to see that those celebrations weren't just a lark. They were a skill, a craft, an art, passed from generation to generation, marked by my family's unique idiosyncrasies and shaped by our larger cultural traditions. There was nothing frivolous about them. In fact, I realize now that they were essential. The celebrations were not a distraction during times of duress. We were resilient because they made our lives beautiful. At the center of it all was my grandmother, Lupita the ever-welcoming, gentle matriarch that generated so much life and drew us back time and again with her love. I wish I could invite you into the busy little beehive that my grandmother made of that little house in Tampico. Without even thinking about it, my wonderful, lively family created a solid home as they repeated the steps to the dance that my grandmother and all their elders had perfected. It's a dance that springs from the exuberant rhythm of heartbeats past, present, and future. A dance that fortifies a house with its heat and produces the sweetest honey. It's the dance of gratitude. Thank you, my beautiful familia, for teaching me the sweetest dance. Gracias especialmente a ti, abuelita, por darnos una vida de alegría. Thank you, abuelita, for making space, for always keeping the door open to welcome all your little bees home. I am not very good at gratitude, especially when you consider how little I have to truly worry about. But my anxious brain 
steeped in a city and a technology industry that are defined by excess and ambition, so often turns to what I don't have and to ways that my life might not turn out how I hope. I get stuck on these worries and frustrations and wish them away. If only, I tell myself, I had a little more money or our past political leaders had made different choices, I would not be as worried. I dwell on how great of a life I could live, if only. But obsessing over these worries, being unhappy now because I worry that I will be unhappy later, is counterproductive. I have, by all accounts, more than enough. I am a healthy young adult in a lovely and prosperous city. I have a great career that not only provides more than I need, but more often than not, I like doing. While there are many things that could go wrong in my life, most of them would be bad luck that no amount of preparation can prevent. I could fill my days worrying that I won't get to live my best life. And sometimes I do. Or I can focus on making the most of what I have and do my best to actually live my best life today and make peace with the parts that are imperfect or uncertain. So I always appreciate when Thanksgiving prompts me to focus on gratitude. This Thanksgiving, I'm very grateful to live in San Francisco. I am grateful for our beautiful fall weather, our highly pandemic conscious populace, our incredible access to produce, and everything else that makes my life here so great. I am grateful, more than ever, for my health, which has been bolstered by three miraculous shots of mRNA and a flu shot. I am grateful for my family near and far, my friends, and my communities, including USF. And I am grateful that I am blessed with the makings of a great life as long as I stay mindful of my fortune and make the most of it. 